Have you gained weight during the pandemic? And are you keen to change your food and eating habits? And have you thought about how you can live longer by just making a few changes in the way you eat? Then join us today because we will focus in the Green Living podcast on food. But before we go there, I want to say a few things about happiness. Because there is a very clear linkage between the food that we eat and the happiness that we experience. And both food and happiness are well-researched topics. And I've referred in earlier podcasts to several studies, including two very famous ones. One is the one that was conducted in Harvard, a Harvard study uh, that went on for about 80 years. I think it's still going on. They really followed a group of men. I've never understood why only men and not the women, but a group of men from uh, their really young lives all the way until, well, most of them have passed away by now. A few may still be alive. Um, and that is a fascinating study. And then the other study that I've referred to in the past is uh, the Blue Zones study, those uh, specific areas in the world where people grow older than in the rest of the world. Uh, and there's a whole set of reasons for it. And uh, in both studies, um, it, it has to do, one of the reasons why they, these people grow old has to do with the food they eat or the amount of food that they eat. Now, but first on, on happiness. Um, it's interesting to see in studies how happiness declines throughout young adulthood and middle age, on average, if you, if you look at, 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 uh, at the, the big numbers. And then happiness seems to bottom out at about the age of 50. And after that, and I have passed that point already, it heads back up again into one's mid-60s and I'm I'm really into that track so my happiness should be going up according to the statistics <laughs> and I don't know for each of you where you are but it's interesting so it on average bottoms out at about 50 then it goes up to the mid-60s but then the interesting thing happens that is the most fascinating aspect of this study looking at at the big numbers the older people they split into two groups when they get old you have those that are getting much happier and you have those that are getting much unhappier. So this is a bit like, like uh, the famous uh, space shuttle exploding picture of 1987 uh, where you have this one line that goes up and then it can go in two directions. One is going up and one is going down. So at that time in their lives when you're in your mid-60s, many people realize the importance of having made good financial decisions in earlier decades. So those who planned ahead and saved up are more likely to be able to support themselves in comfort. And many of those who didn't can't. And I think there is also, and that is something that I didn't read in the studies, but I, that I think is, is interesting to look at. I can imagine that in Europe, where generally the government takes better care of all kinds of pension schemes, it might be that this difference between those two groups might be bigger in America uh, than in Europe. Now, some factors that influence this outcome and, and the question of uh, where you end up with are not really in your own control. I mean, if you're born as uh, whatever, the child of uh, Bill Gates, then you probably don't have to worry about finances, even if you have no clue how to do it. Um, Donald Trump is a good example in case he has no clue about finances, but the guy is still filthy rich. Um, but all kinds of other factors can influence the outcome where you are at the end, end of your, your life. And uh, those factors have been researched. And um, so the, the late life happy wellness um, is influenced by uh, seven main categories of factors that uh, that you can control. There was a study in 2001 that really dived into this. And those seven are uh, smoking, drinking, your body weight, exercise, emotional resilience, education, and relationships. Now, we're not going to talk about all of those, although I think relationships might be an interesting one to dive into someday, um, and a few of the others as well. But two of them are related to what we are talking about today, and that is um, all about um, uh, 
eating and drinking. So on drinking, the conclusion is that you really have to watch your drinking because alcohol abuse is strongly correlated uh, with smoking. Another bad one that I mentioned in the list. Um, but it, the, the research shows that even for those that drink and don't smoke, it is one of the most powerful predictors of winding up in the wrong group, the group that is called in the study the sad and the sick ones, uh, the uh, the people that are not happy at an older age. Uh, this sounds to me like an easy one to avoid, but I'm not addicted to alcohol. I think if I don't have any addiction issues, so I, I for me it's always difficult to imagine why people are addicted and why they can't get out of it. But um, it's <clears throat> it's good to know that um, this, especially with the Harvard study, this came out, that drinking is ruining so much lives. And um, so any early indication of a drinking problem, uh, it's important to get help when you're at a younger age and, and, and stop it. Um, and often if you see drinking problems in your family, um just 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 keep in mind that this is a thing where you have to really uh really be be careful about so that is that is the one on drinking the other thing on drinking is of course to drink enough water which you sometimes hear me doing while i'm sitting here um and uh the second one out of these seven important factors is to maintain a healthy body weight and that is the main thing i think we will talk about today not so much your body weight but but what you eat so you need a diet with lots of fruits and vegetables. Um, you shouldn't eat too much. Keep keep it moderate as a serving size. Most of us eat too much because eating is so nice. And you also have to avoid all kinds of yo-yo diets and and uh, or really uh, put intense restrictions on what you want uh, on what you take in in a way that you can't maintain for for a long time. So so just be steady um, uh, don't eat too much and make sure that there's enough uh, fruit and vegetables um, and actually the amount of fruit and vegetables that the expert advise you to eat are just going up and up and up if you look at what they advised 20 years ago it's way less than they advised 10 years ago and it is way less than they advise now and I, I really noticed in, in the years how that amount of fruit and vegetables combined with a bit of nuts uh, is going up all the time. So, yeah, we'll focus on the eating part. And this was a, a very long monologue. This could have been a whole podcast in itself. We're already on air for, what is it, seven minutes. And I haven't given the floor at all to our co-host, Vanessa. I'm sorry for talking so long. Happy to see you there because I see you on the Zoom call. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks so much. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving this, the, the theme of this podcast because um, I, I love food. I absolutely adore it. And um, yeah, it's kind of one of my reasons for living. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about the sort of tale of food and kind of a different way of just different, different way of approaching how we um, how we how we uh, consume food and our, and our you know, our attitudes to it. I'm also going to um, give you a, a generic healthy recipe um, a bit later on. It's kind of an idiot-proof, um, plant-based, um, meat-free recipe that anybody can do. And I really do mean anybody can do. And it's so generic that whatever it is that you've got in your fridge, um, you can do it. So, um, so look out for that. We're going to touch a little bit as well on the environment and also about how food impacts the environment, but that's, that's a bit later. Um, you mentioned about sort of different... Um, you know, sort of healthy body weight and, and obviously, you know, if we're eating too much meat, we know that's bad for us. Uh, and we discussed that before in a, in a previous podcast. Um, one of the things I, I read was that, um, I mean, actually, it was, it was kind of interesting because when I went to Germany, um, the very first time I went there, I was, I was totally vegetarian and I had a nightmare trying to find, <laughs> trying to find a veggie restaurant, um, you know, short of just having a plate of vegetables. Uh, but it's it's really interesting that the statistics for 2021 um, shows that the market for meat alternatives is actually thriving. And there's a 17 percent increase in the production of uh, plant based foods compared to 2020. 
Um, but I just really want to start my bit, really, with something about the terror of food. Um, and I don't know if people know about terrorism or daoism. Uh, pe- people sometimes spell it and, and pronounce it as. Um, but it's, it's, it's like a, it's a way of life that I adopted, really, from when I was a teenager. Uh, we know food provides energy that we need to function physically. And Alex, you, you touched on that just now. You know, we've got a, such a busy lifestyle. Um, we impose like fast foods um, and also restricted diets on ourselves. And that could be that we just reach for the same thing that we do every day because we can't we haven't got the brain capacity because we're so busy. Um, but we, you know, and the planet deserve better, really. Um, what and also how we eat defines our health and well-being. Um, and as we know now, it has an impact on our planet. Um, and it's never too late to make a change, to make better decisions uh, to benefit us and also our beautiful earth. The Teo is, is really more than just health. It's, it's really a mindset shift um, about appreciating all that we've been given. I suppose if you want, it's a bit like um, mindfulness or meditation, but it's but it is more than that. It's a philosophy. Uh, one of the things, and I was actually talking about this, funny enough, at the weekend. Um, but I've, when I when I sit down and eat, nobody knows I'm doing this. <laughs> but I, I take time to eat. Obviously, people know I'm doing that. But I actually savor everything that I eat. I, I smell it first. I look at the colours. I look at the shapes. And I, I suppose, like you think about some religions, you know, you sit down and you give thanks from where the food comes from and all that kind of thing. It doesn't you don't have to be religious to do this? It's actually just taking a, a just a mindful moment to just look at the food and appreciate where it's grown, where it's come from. And then we know that actually that that stimulates our brains to um, for it to nourish us in a, in a better way. So so my first kind of tip would really be just take time to eat. Um, Chinese medicine, obviously a lot of people will know this, goes back to like 2000 BC or so. And and the origins go back to a time when people were really living close to nature and the seasons, which is something that I've been doing a long time um, and I know you do Alex and I know um, it's something that we're advocating obviously in the whole planet uh, podcast um, but a healthy diet um, is one of the five sacred tools of life um, for in, in Chinese medicine and in Daoism um, the others being which some people might be keen to know are medicine sex good breathing and longevity uh, and all of which they believe are interconnected um, the Teo Te Ching um, is, is known, is, is translated, if you want, as the way of change. And it's based on the teachings of Lao Tzu, um, Teo being um, a way, a path. So if you want, um, I mean, the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because this is like a simple way of changing, helping change your mindset. Um, and actually change, talking of change, change is a constant in the world and a new life comes out of old. Um, you know, in the winter we wear warmer clothes, in summer we wear lighter clothes. But the terror thing is that actually we should also, you know, eat warmer, warmer foods in the winter. And we should have lighter and cooler food in the summer. We should eat seasonally. And if you think about wherever it is that you live in the world, whichever season you're in, what's being produced? And if we eat that way, um, it would be much better for, for you um, because your body would be able to process it. Um, in, in a better way because of the temperature change um, but also it's better for the better for the planet really um. yeah it it makes a lot of sense I must say because uh, when it's uh, cold and winter and as people know here in Ottawa I'm often complaining <laughs> about cold and winter yeah. that never seems to stop yeah. then I I feel that I want more hot food uh, and, mm. and uh, in the summer, I prefer to eat uh, salads, etc. So mm-hmm. it, I, I, I see that relationship. And I like to hear those, uh, those numbers in Germany of relatively more uh, pan, plant-based uh, food being eaten uh, instead of meat. And, um, and that's, that's a very positive development. It, uh, it, will, it will be good for the Germans because they will, they will live longer and healthier. It's good for the animals because uh, they will be less abused or at least abused in, in, in less huge numbers. And uh, it's overall it's better for the planet, of course. So that's, that's a very good development, which I, I assume you will see all over northwestern Europe. I'm not sure, sure what the numbers are in, in, in the rest of Europe, but, but at least the area where I come from, let's say I'm a northwest European in a way, 
uh, I really see there's uh, that kind of change and there's there's a growing number of people that are choosing to eat less meat and there's there's many reasons why people do so and and health is often often mentioned as a popular uh, motive and and that is um, confirmed by all kinds of uh, studies that have been done have been done um, because uh, health a uh, plant-based diets really have a lot of health benefits and that an, an important one is that it lowers the risk of chronic diseases such as type type 2 diabetes and heart disease and there there were recently a few large studies done that suggested that uh, vegetarian or pescarian diet. So pescarian is where uh, the only meat that somebody eats is fish or seafood, but they don't eat uh, birds or cows or or, um, or or pigs. And note that I'm not mentioning here beef or pork. I believe that you have to mention the source of what you're eating. You're eating a dead animal. You're not eating beef. You're eating a dead cow. So vegetarian or pescarian diets they uh, may be linked to uh, a bit lower uh, risk of cancer. And I would say even if it's a bit lower, it's worth the investment. So um, in, in a study that was recently done, they uh, compared a large uh, group of people. Uh, they took the regular meat eaters, and uh, then they found that the risk of developing any type of cancer was 2% lower for the low meat eaters which was defined as uh, maximum five times a week eating meat which i don't consider low at all but anyway so that was already two percent lower but for those that were eating only fish it was ten percent lower and for vegetarians it was fourteen percent lower um <clears throat> excuse me so i would say 14% lower risk of developing cancer that is worse you know leaving your or hamburgers and whatever aside, uh, that is that is really reason, really really striking difference. So most evidence is showing that there's an association between lower cancer risk and vegetarian or pescarian diets, and they also seem to suggest that uh, a greater consumption of vegetables and fruits and whole grain may explain this lower risk. So <clears throat> that's what I already mentioned, more vegetable, more fruit, and, and, and um, I mentioned nuts, but also whole grains is, uh, is really important to take. These groups, they uh, don't consume the red and the processed meat, and uh, red and processed meat is linked with uh, higher uh, colorectal cancer risk. And more evidence will still be needed to fully explore the reasons for, for the results that they found. And also, <clears throat> there's a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of ways that the study may be influenced in ways that you don't like to influence it. So it also has to do with uh, things like, uh, like education, for instance, or the different behavior that vegetarians have anyway. You find more vegetarians among better educated people. You also find that... On average, vegetarians have a lower percentage of obesity or or, or just being overweight, uh, which is also again related to to education. So there's there's all kinds of other factors that play a role. It's extremely difficult. You cannot you know put people in a lab and do do tests on them. You have to you have to work with the material that you have. There's a lot of factors. Um, so it's, it is now widely recommended in a lot of, lot of studies that uh, red meat and processed meat are a huge risk for cancer. So from purely from a health perspective, if you can't live without meat, try to move away from, from red meat and processed meat and then go for whatever, for, for chicken or so. That is, that is already a step forward um, for your own health. And um, the other thing is, uh, move to whole grains and 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 vegetable and fruit and beans. So uh, maybe maybe start with that, and then if you're still hungry, then go for uh, go for other food, um, because that's that's another thing. If you're if you're really hungry, you just just grab whatever you have, but then grab those things that your body needs most, and then if you're still hungry. Um, uh, eat other things instead of the other way around as most uh, most people do 
That's uh, so true, actually. And one of the things, um, Dr. Sally Augustine, as part of the Space Doctors, who talk about, actually, um, how do we, you know, in, creating an environment where you're not going to be distracted and, and reach those for that bag of crisps or that, um, or that, you know, the, the random pepperami salami or whatever it is that people have, those sort of ready meal, ready packed, processed, wrapped in plastic kind of sausage things. Um, you know, rather than do that, actually put bowls of fruit and, and have visual visuals around you um, that can inspire you to, to eat healthy. Um, we did mention, actually, that we were going to talk about meat and the impact on the environment. We have spoke about it um, before, of course, but just as a kind of bit of a recap, very, very briefly, um, there was a study that showed that the impact of farming, for instance, found um, beef production or cow production, to, to, to use your your um, idea, which I think is a really good idea. So they found that cow production for food um, is responsible for six times more greenhouse gas emissions and requires 36 times more land compared to the production of plant protein, like we've got now is like pea protein. So already that's like, you know, producing so much more greenhouse gas emissions. So if we, if we all... We said we're not going to have cow. <laughs> we would be helping um, reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions and also help protect some of the forest and some of the native um, land um, species that are on there rather than clearing it for, for cow production. Um, obviously, avoiding meat and, and dairy products as well is, is one of the biggest ways to reduce um, this environmental impact on the planet. And uh, um, But without, um, without meat and uh, dairy consumption... It's also shown that global farmland use could be reduced by more than 75%. So you could change, you could switch out, you know, the, the farmland with other things. You could plant trees. And, and the people who are people worried about the economy of that sort of thing and, and the lifestyle shift, um, they, could, they could grow something else. They could grow, they could be, you know, uh, stewards of forests. Or, um, and we can talk about that. We could actually another, we could have another podcast on, on, you know, if we got rid of uh, farmland, what would we use, what would we create that land instead uh, for the benefit of people and planet and also profit actually so that's good it's important to to also bring that into the equation um 60 of global biodiversity loss um is caused by meat-based diets um according to the world wildlife fund so um you know there's, there's lots and lots of reasons just from the impact of the environment and just just while i'm here um when we open up the calls um have a think, listeners. Um, does anybody have any other facts and figures regarding how meat um, and the production of meat um, has on the imp you know, has an impact on the planet? Um, it'd be interesting to hear if you have any any facts and figures yourself or any views on that um, as well. So, um, so put that in your back pocket while we're talking, and um, yeah, and call in call in in a bit. Um, Obviously, 75% of the world's food comes from only 12 plants and five animal species. I mean, really? <laughs> um, you know, there's, the world is so rich of, of, of you know, of, of grains and um, and all the and, and vegetables. Um, but when humans consume too much of a single food source, it can cause health problems. Um, as you mentioned, Alex, you know, if we consume animal protein, cow, pig. Um, and, and and sheep, and and these, you know it's, it's linked to the development of a variety of can cancers, um, and we should be promoting a positive view of eating a meatless diet rather than don't eat meat, you know. So we should be less prescriptive, really, and um, and and more inspiring, really. Um, and I'm just just going to just circle back just quickly to the um, this Taoist approach, and uh, they have a thing called. Um, what we what we what we would talk about it's called the peach test, and uh, and it's kind of before you go and eat your food, <laughs> or you go and get your vegetables and you've got them in the fridge and or you've got them on the side or you've got them in a cold place, it's called the peach test and you've got to think is it is it ripe, is it has it just been plucked from the tree? How far away has that food come? So this is also another yardstick for not uh, eating processed food. So if you can eat whole foods as much as possible, so this is a really a, a thing, um, you then eat the energy of that food. So really it's the optimum. It's like kind of the yardstick to measure all our food. Is it fresh? You know, can you feel that it's just plucked from the tree? And then 
really have a sliding scale. You know, the last thing you want to do is uh, eat a mouldy old thing um, or something that's been modified to an inch of its life and suffocated in plastic, obviously, which is leaking into your food and then into you, which we spoke about before, about how much plastic is actually getting to our in our lungs and in our bloodstreams. Um, it's really about um, pure life giving, life enhancing, sort of the beautiful bounty of food that our, our planet um, gives us. Um, yeah, I suppose another way of looking at it is, you know, is it bursting with life? Um, we talk about chi and the energy and this sort of chi energy that moves all around us. It's like this universal energy. Uh, some religious people might say it's like, you know, the energy of God, for instance. Um, but actually, if you also go back to the, you know, there's electrical impulses and everything. We all vibrate. Atoms uh, vibrate. There's movement everywhere. And if we're eating dead food, it lacks that energy. Um, and because we're using energy to work and to take pleasure, if we have more alive food, food that's like just plucked from the tree, this peach test, is it soft? Is it, you know, is it full of energy? Then we're filling our lives with energy. So, Alex, when you're talking about, you know, people feeling sick and, you know, cancer causing all this sort of stuff, if we've gone so far away from actually the plant and the food being alive, then we're just feeding ourselves um, bad stuff. I mean, I'm not even going to go on about how much, how many hormones and, you know, um, antibiotics and things that they inject meat with. Um, and then, of course, we're eating that meat and because we're consuming those hormones and all those things. So it's a bit yucky, really, when you think about it. Um, if people are listening and they do need to eat meat, just go for the organic option. At least the animals have had a run around and, and stuff. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'd, I'd rather rather you didn't eat meat and all that sort of thing. But if you are, then make a choice, really. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, this is a holistic approach, you know, mind and body. Um, it's all aspects of life. Uh, we are one. We're interconnected. Everything we eat, everything we take inside our body, and actually also things you put on your face, you know, <laughs> you know, face creams and stuff. You should think about where, you know, is it if you can eat it, then it's good. You know, you don't want things that have been, again, processed to their into their life as natural as we can, because then that would also help us understand our beautiful planet. Um, and this is it really. It's my belief, really, that we should be advocating a, a holistic approach to protecting our planet, um, which is kind of what this podcast is about, really. It's promoting green living in all aspects of our life, you know, from the tra travel choices uh, to what we eat um, to how we um, how we clothe ourselves, uh, you know, what we use to shampoo our hair, uh, you know, what we choose to grow in our gardens, Um there are many choices that we can make. I mean, as well with, you know, gardening, gardening and planting, um, you know, you can feed yourself with some some wonderful, you know, wonderful things, really. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think the, um, yeah, brief, briefly back to, to what you just said or what I just said and what you reacted on, on uh, the, the words like, uh, like meat and pork, etc. Mm. I, I, I was thinking about it while you were talking that um, this has been... This has been created by the food industry to make us believe that it's something different. Because if you look at, at it from the vegetarian side, the thing that grows on an apple tree looks like an apple. It smells like an apple. It is called an apple. And when you buy it in the fruit store, it's still called an apple. And that's the same with a strawberry and with a pear and with, with a potato or whatever. It's not that when a potato comes out of the ground and it lays in in uh, in in the food store that suddenly we call it a completely different word because by doing so we would not think about that the thing was once you know in the ground somewhere or an apple living on a tree but of course because the the meat industry and this is not a reason thing for many many uh, years past uh, people started to realize if you if you call uh, a piece or a piece of 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 that cow that you are going to eat. If you don't call it cow, but if you if you call that meat, that it becomes more acceptable to do so. So there's a clear uh, early day example of of clever marketing in in creating that distance. It's also that uh, the 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 picture of the cow on the in plastic wrapped meat that uh, I normally avoid that part of the supermarket because I can't really look at it. But if, if you look at it, you see that there's, there's, there, there's a piece of that cow. They put plastic around it and then they put a sticker on it of a cartoon 
of a smiling cow, but I can tell you that cow didn't smile much in its life because it's been horribly abused in ways that if we would treat people that way, people would be appalled and there would be immediately human rights investigations, etc. How is it possible that any human was treated this way? But highly intelligent, sensitive animals like cows are basically treated like shit and that is just not just incidental this is just by the by the billions and the billions and i find it appalling that uh, all western governments are accepting this as if the we we have no norms etc to 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 deal with animals if you mistreat a cat or a dog you immediately have the the, the police uh, uh, at your door uh, but if you abuse an animal uh, once it is dead that we give a different name then it's suddenly uh, acceptable so sorry for this rant because this was not at all about food which is the theme of today but it's something that i'm just astonished about and i i when i refer to the future historians as i often do i think someday people will write like how is it possible that in a highly developed 21st century people just accepted that these things took place in their country so i call upon upon all of you um, to vote for politicians that uh, take these issues serious and that do take action because i don't really want to live in a place where people treat animals this way um, including people that call themselves animal lovers okay this was a way too long rant which was not at all about the food you eat although there is the message that you should eat less meat but i uh, also want to refer to the number that you just mentioned that uh, 60% of global biodiversity loss is caused by meat-based diets. So that is, so we have like a few really, really big long-term problems in the world and climate change is always the one that gets most attention and then uh, the, the, the smaller twin brother that should get more attention is uh, biodiversity loss and the loss of nature. So 60% of global biodiversity loss, which is at, at a stunning rate, we are, uh, in uh, only the sixth time uh, in in the four and a half billion years of history of this planet that there is a massive extinction going on. And this time, this is the first one uh, that is not only witnessed by us, but it's the one that is caused by us. And 60% of that biodiversity loss is because we are eating meat. So although eating meat, stop uh, stop eating meat or at least eating less meat would significantly contribute to um, to less climate change, the impact is way bigger on uh, on preserving biodiversity. So you're doing something good for the planet as well as for your own health um, if you eat uh, less uh, less meat. So those were some thoughts on meat, but still, Staying on uh, on the theme of food, there's another aspect that I would like to mention, and I think after that we should should open up um, to um, uh, to the listeners and 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 uh, and and get you into this podcast uh, because this podcast is ultimately um, there for you and also to give uh, your uh, opinion and to uh, discuss uh, with the others and to meet. But uh, there's something about growing your own food. I'm not doing it at the moment for the very simple reason that I travel a lot. I live in different places all the time. I don't have a garden where I can grow food. Um, but I've done that uh, when I was young. And I would, um, uh, when I'm in, in a couple of years, finding a place somewhere in the world where I will settle down and, 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 and travel less from place to place as I've been doing for the past 30 years, I would love to have a garden and grow a bit of my own food and there's there's a number of aspects there but i think one of them is that um i would be i would feel much closer to 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 the earth and to 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 the food that i have grown myself and i would trust it more because i have i have seen it growing so it's something i look forward to 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 spend more time in the garden which is another aspect i think it's actually good to be outside uh, and take care of plants and watch them grow and be closer to nature and, and understand how they are growing and what kind of challenges are are involved there and, and learn more about growing food and trying new kind of foods. So I think it's it's uh, it would also give a feeling of of uh, promoting my own resilience, being being aware that I can grow my food. And it's something that I would encourage anyone that has 
children to show your children how you can grow your own food. And it can be pretty simple. I mean, just put a potato and put it in the ground and a few months later you dig it up or grow your own uh, strawberries or or all kinds of, of fruit and vegetables that you can grow yourself. And it's it's actually, it's fun to do and you learn a lot of it and you actually then understand where where your food comes from. And of course, it is the ultimate way of buying local uh, you go so local that you just have it in your own backyard and you grow it yourself. So I, th I think that would be, it's something I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, me being an old man in the garden and then <laughs> growing my own food. I think it will be absolutely uh, fun to do. I'll probably grow a lot of flowers too, because I like flowers and of course you don't eat them. Uh, but still, so I think that is, um, that is a, a a step that I would like to take and I think it would actually be good for the planet if more people would do so because that is ultimately how you know thousands and thousands of years ago we started uh, our life from from moving from the kind of nomadic hunter-gatherer uh, kind of life that we had that we became sedentary farmers and started to grow our own stuff likely by incident because because we, we, we dropped some seed or we dropped some food and then we realized suddenly that, hey, if we drop a bit of our whatever, we drop the apple that we've been eating and then you see that an apple tree is growing there and, and suddenly there was this realization, you know, we can purposely do this and then we don't have to, to go around too far away to get it. We can just grow it nearby our our places where we're living. So I think that will be a fascinating um uh, fascinating way of uh, of living. So that is um, one of my uh, secret things I'm thinking of, not so secret anymore, of what I would like to do in uh, in a further future when I travel less and become more um, sedentary as a sedentary farmer. So having said that, I think we should open up um, to, um, uh, to to other people. I'm sure you have some, some good questions uh, to ask, uh, Ness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. So, if anybody's got any um, any experience of growing their own vegetables, I, I'd love to hear. Um, I've um, I've been uh, growing peas and carrots and potatoes and beans and um, and actually fruit trees are really easy to grow. Um, you know, you can you can buy little sort of start up ones. Or, I mean, what's really lovely is if you you know if you like you just said, have you have an apple and a, and a seed and you and you put them in the ground and then you can you know, they grow up, you know, really quickly. To be fair. Um, and it's just lovely to watch, you know, and they're great to do with your family. And, and it was really nice that you could do it as a gift uh, to, to your, you know, to friends. You can grow, you know, you can go out for go out for dinner or something like that, or they can come around for dinner and you can set them a challenge, you know, if it's, if you finish off with some, with, with a, with a um, apple based dish or something um, and say, right, you know, you can, you've challenged you to grow those seeds and, you know, have a race. <laughs> you can grow the biggest uh, biggest tree i see as the evelyn is um is calling in there so oh let me see uh yeah oh there we are uh i was on on the on the other side i was looking at conversations I had to move back to switch back to the left hi evelyn hi um yeah just ignore my comments i was just like um we need chocolate, chocolate tree. trees if i can only eat <laughs> stuff that grows on Yay. trees but anyway um <laughs> yeah you know I'm not not ready to give up chocolate i'm swiss it's in my genes <clears throat> but anyway um regarding just <laughs> uh vegetables and growing my own vegetables i I would need a garden for that, which I don't have. And I could potentially do something on my balcony, but it's the way it's facing that is not likely to work. But I grew up with a huge vegetable garden. We basically grew our all our own vegetables and we had berries and cherries and apples, pears, uh, everything really and i agree with what you said you know it's like you just go out into the garden and you pick some berries and when i was sent out to pick berries it was always like two in my mouth one in the little container i got and stuff like that 
Uh, you know, <laughs> that's just, it was just um, fun. And it was also something we did together on, like gardening was something we did together on a Saturday afternoon and things like that. So I would definitely recommend it to anybody who has a garden to maybe, you know, flowers are nice, but maybe grow some um, vegetables or, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Fruit as well. My- my parents were doing that as well in the garden. When I came home from uh, from high school, that I always stopped. I was uh, picking picking all kinds of fruits before I even entered the house. And those are good <laughs> memories from from gosh, it's like forty five years ago now. I'm getting old, and um, <laughs> these are used memories. So yeah, so those are uh, those are good points. So uh, maybe uh, uh, an angle we should also approach is. Um, uh, what what are good and healthy recipes? So what 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 uh, what is your uh, your favorite uh, nest? Well, um, I did say I was going to give you a, a kind of like a you know a, a sort of catch all uh, recipe. Um, just just before I do that though, um, if people are thinking about going veg- vegetarian or having more of a plant based uh, meal um, or cook go just go that way, I would say the first thing to do is get yourself a vegetable bible. <laughs> Um, I I bought a book years ago and it was by a guy called Paul Southey, uh, S-O-U-T-H-E-Y. It's called The Vegetarian Gourmet. And it's brilliant because if you don't know what anything is and you don't know how to cook it, it tells you everything about it, what it looks like, how to how to get it when it's and also grains and all this kind of thing. But also gives you a really sort of, you know, baseline on how to prepare and how to cook them. So. Something like that, like the Vegetarian Gourmet by Paul Southey, is an amazing thing. And what I really love, and this is something that I'm going to talk about in this recipe, I have fun because weird looking veg. I mean, you know, has anybody gone down the sort of supermarket aisle or if they've gone to the local farm shop or if they're eating seasonally or they get veg boxes delivered, which I get. And I just and you think, what is that? This thing that looks like fractals, which obviously we know what that is now. And But you just think, well, what is it? And they have given the most surprising taste and the flavours and the textures to your meal, much more than, than a dead cow and a, and a pig and all that, which I suppose really most more than that. It's got flavour in it that people would argue it's flavour and a bit sort of like a chewy texture, if you want, that people sign and kind of say, well, if I've, I'm having meat and that's what I miss. But actually, there's all these different textures that you can have. So instead of having meat, you can use fennel. You can have a fennel bulb and you can slice that and cook that like a burger. And that because it gives you like a sort of chewy sort of flavor. You can also do it with pineapple, um, which gives you that sort of like same chewy thing. And it's got the same sweetness as pork. Um, If you put a little bit of paprika on the top of that, that kind of gives you that sort of like trick of thinking you're eating a sausage, you know, um, as well. Or sort of a a pig based, pork based um, kind of meal. But get your friends and family involved. Um, if you live on your own, you know, enjoy the meditation and mindfulness of chopping the vegetables up um, and always make the food with love in your heart. You know, smile and give gratitude to the food when you eat. Chew slowly and savour the bounty that nature's given you. Um, so my recipe, right. <laughs> now, this is a fail safe. You can't you can't go wrong with this. Right. It's just like it's it, this is plant based cooking for for idiots you know and um you need a bit of a balance like you've got the yin foods which you've got lots of energy um and you've got yang foods which is meat and that's obviously got the negative thing on us but um things like you've got good balance of the yin and the yang is like grains and seeds and pulses and the more we can eat of those things that give us all this sort of all-round goodness it is better for us so i so my challenge to people listening Right. And I want, I want to know in the in the comments afterwards, um, or unless you've done this yourself, I'd like to be, it'd be interesting to hear if you've done something similar. I do this ready, steady cook thing where I've and I love this. And I don't know if it's because I'm an artist and a painter and, and a photographer and all that sort of stuff. I don't know if it appeals to my brain, but I open the fridge and I see what's in there. And I have no preconception about what I'm going to cook. It's like, well, I don't know. What have I got in the fridge that needs to be eaten or what's fresh or I've just brought some home? Choose two or three of them, whatever it can be. That could be anything. That could be a leek. It could be um, potato. It could be um, carrots, parsnips, whatever it is that's in season. Um, Just chop up two or three of them. Lightly fry them with the tiniest bit of oil or butter um, until they're cooked. And you'll know when they're cooked because you'll hopefully have eaten one of these things before. You'll know what it is. You can can use oil or butter, but you can actually better still use organic uh, coconut oil. Um, that's good for you because that's obviously better. It's organic and it's um, lower, lower 
for for our you know heart, you know it's not so bad on our on our heart our little ticker. Um, and if you start sticking, oh, so because I don't use non-stick, so um, I don't use non-stick again because it leaches um, stuff out into our food that we then eat, um, and then it's like there's also these these poisons and toxins that go into our system. Um, put it in a stainless steel pan if you can, or some some ceramic, you know, some um, iron one. Um, and if it starts sticking, now here's the trick. So instead of people go, oh, I can't use non-stick pans. I got you know I can't not use. Put a little bit of water in, just a little bit. Or you can try a little diluted orange juice or apple juice, for instance, with, with water. So you can mix up like thing and just put it in. And then that stops it sticking. It only has to be like a tiny, tiny bit, but it adds a little bit of extra flavour and it also just makes it softer. Um, you can then also at that same, same time, you can toss in some herbs, different seasoning. Um, I often add in cashew nuts because I just I'm a cashew nut nut. I think I should look like cashew nut. Probably I'm a, maybe I do look like cashew nut. Anyway, don't say anything, Alex, because um, I, I can see you. You're not a little bit like cashew nut. Um, and you put it on a on a bed of cooked rice or pasta or couscous or potatoes or whatever your carbohydrate of choice is. Not too much of it, you know. If it's cooked rice, just a handful per person, and I literally do mean a handful. Pasta. The same thing, handful couscous. If you put a handful in, that's quite a lot. So maybe half a handful of couscous. Um, put it in an oven-proof dish. Again, not non-stick. Better if you can have a hand-thrown one, um, ceramic or something that's going to look lovely on the table. And then, um, so you put the rice or the pasta, the carbohydrate on the bottom. You then put the vegetables and things that you've just uh, cooked very lightly um, with a um, with some cashew nuts and stuff in that if you want. Um, and then on the top, you can grate some cheese if you're still eating cheese or a vegan alternative if you want. Um, and then you grab a generous handful, uh, maybe of uh, it would be like two handfuls of seeds like pine nuts or sunflower seeds. Um, and you scatter them generously on the top. And then if you know, if you again, if you eat cheese or, or you know, veggie alternative, um, you just sprinkle that on the top and then you stick it in the oven until it's brown. Then you eat it. And then you savour it slowly <laughs> and you enjoy it. Um, so really, that's just it. And it's and I, honestly, it's it's just so simple. Um, and if you don't want to put the oven on, you can just do the same thing. You can just dump dump the vegetables on top of your rice and all that kind of stuff. And you don't even need to put the cheese and all that sort of things on it. You can because you'll have protein in there. You'll have um, um, all that sort of stuff. If you want to put, add lentils, you just put a bit more water in. And you just tip some lentils in and then you just stir it. Obviously, people can buy canned lentils or I, I, I do my own. And you just put them in until they're, until they're done. And you can do this also in a, in a slow cooker. So that's also um, eco-friendly. Um, or you can cook it very, very lightly as well. So you don't have to use much energy. That's also something I do. Um, but, um, yeah, that's it, really. Um, yeah, I was just I'm, going to say. I'm getting a good appetite if I listen to you. And yeah. the other thing, you should keep talking about recipes because while you were talking, I think about three people joined. So it's. Uh... Ah. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Well, I could talk about lots of things, raw food and everything. I did want to just say one thing as well, though, um, that if people are doing this and they're. If you don't, so Evelyn, you said that you don't have a lot of food, a lot of space um, to cook things, uh, to, to plant things and plant food. Everybody has a room for uh, for some mint, right? So this is a really lovely thing that you can do, and something that takes me back to my to my days when I was travelling or when I was um, when I used to work in Paris. I used to go to the Institut de la Monde Arabe, you know, to the Arab Institute, and I would go to the top floor and I would have Moroccan mint tea. And you can do this, and it's so simple, you know. And all you do is get some mint leaves, put them in a cup, put some hot water on it, and there you go. You can have some honey on it as well. And that's it. And it transports you to another land. But it's sustainable. It's easy to grow. And it's so, so satisfying. And you feel like you've done it yourself. And it's just lovely. It's just really nice. And it takes you to another world. So um, anyway. <laughs> I, I, I always think about Morocco when I drink mint tea. Because there yeah. I drink so much of it. Although they throw loads of sugar in it. And I see Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Please join us. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> good to hear you. It's early in Arizona, so um, nice to be speaking with you. Um, I We have a lot of citrus in Arizona. We have grapefruits, lemons, um, oranges. So I try to use um, citrus in my cooking. I try to drink like hot lemon water in the morning. Uh, mm -hmm. Somehow that seems to um, 
like give me a little bit of energy to start the day. But um, if you and I wanted to make two points, if you don't have a lot of um, backyard, um, what I've done is I've written um, several grants for municipalities and for schools for raised container gardening. And it, it really um, seems to to work. And you just get a raised container. It's like um, a box container. And you can grow here in Arizona, we can grow peppers, tomatoes, um, melons, um, you know, the things that, you know, grow well in Arizona. So that's just a little um, idea. If you just wanted to grow, start small, just get a raised um, garden container for your backyard. And the last thing I wanted to say is um, I love um, using the things that you have on hand. So just a really quick a lemon pasta recipe. Um, you just add some minced to garlic, fresh parsley, lemon zest, and a half cup of fresh lemon juice to some heated olive oil. I use um, olive oil infused with Meyer lemons um, because it's locally sourced here in Arizona. Um, and then you cook your pasta or linguine um, al dente and you heat your um, garlic, your fresh parsley, your lemon zest, and your half cup of lemon juice up in your pan. And then um, add about a half cup of your pasta water and then heat it up to simmering. And then if you are going to use cheese, you can add a little Parmesan in and just add your um, al dente spaghetti or linguine, um, stir it up and you have a really nice lemon pasta. And you can just serve it with like steamed um, veggies like asparagus or green beans or anything, you know, that you're getting fresh. And it's kind of like light for summer and it uses Arizona citrus. That's it. Sounds lovely. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I wanna, I wanna, I'm getting, getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only, only it's still before noon here. <laughs> sounds lovely. It sounds really simple as well. So thanks for that, Sharon. I'm going to have to give that a go. Really, um, I, li I like that sort of idea that also there's not much, not much uh, preparation by the sound of it, and you can kind of whiz it up quite quickly, really. Um, and once you get that, get that lovely fresh lemon. I do love cooking with lemons, actually. Um, yeah, it does. It has a risotto. I kind of I do a um, butternut squash risotto. So when that's in season, although I've still got one from the last season, it's still sitting on the side and it hasn't uh, jumped off the side to attack me yet. So I think it's all right to eat still. Um, but um, I, you know, I, I, I roast that. Then I put that into a risotto rice with and, and I put lemon in it. So because obviously if you're not eating prawns, um, which obviously I used to do with, you know, when I was back eating meat and in between. Um, but um, you kind of say, oh, yeah, I miss that sort of like lemony fits, you know, zest of uh, of like a, a seafood risotto. But instead of having that, you could have. Um, yeah, you can you can do. Yeah, it's a good idea, actually. Yeah, sort of. Uh, I like I'm going to do that with linguine. I'm going to. That's, that's going to that might be tomorrow's dinner. <laughs> so, I love the chat sessions that we nowadays have kind of in, in, in parallel. That is such a good improvement in uh, uh, that we have on call-in since about, what is it, about six weeks now, I guess, that we mm -hmm. that we got this uh, chat function. So yeah. I see all kinds of comments coming in. Uh, Nightmaster saying, I like cool aid mixed with tons of sugar. Yeah, sure, go. <laughs> Enjoy. And, um, <laughs> and Evelyn is saying it's dinner time here, so this is this is absolutely the perfect time to discuss uh, to talk about food, and um, and I see a thank you coming in, and Ida is saying blueberry pies are so good. Yes, I fully agree. And yeah, um, uh, Catherine says there's too much noise here, so she can't join for the talk, but she grew strawberries on the balcony in Geneva. As I said, there's many people from Switzerland somehow, the Swiss rock that are listening here, <laughs> and uh, followed me uh, when I moved. Um, and as a child, there was guava, rosemarin. I use a lot of rosemarin and basil as well, by the way. Rosemarin, basil, and rucola uh, back in the Dominican uh, Republic. Yes, those are good too. Uh, birds, there was a comment on something, I think when I mentioned chicken or something. And um, uh, and Louisa also uh, mentioned uh, growing blueberries for the local board. Blueberries seem to be pop popular with our uh, our listeners. 
Uh, Louisa also said earlier that she's trying to reduce meat consumption by adding uh, veggies to ground pork, etc., mushrooms and green peppers. Yeah, that's the thing. You can just reduce your meat by adding uh, a lot of the good stuff, so like uh, vegetables, etc. Which brings me, by the way, uh, to another comment um, on um, on uh, on on cooking. If you want to move from a fully meat-based diet to a diet where uh, where where you eat less meat this this seems like such a huge step to take and the and the good thing is that since a couple of years now you have so many alternatives for meat so the the easy thing is instead of moving to completely a different kind of 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 vegan or vegetarian cooking you can basically keep cooking the same but you just replace uh, the meat with a meat alternative. So let's say if you want to make a, a, a spaghetti bolognese, uh, you just cook it exactly the same way that you used to do it. You only reduce the, what do you call that in English, the, the minced meat um, by uh, something like corn or something, uh, which is still it's processed, so it's probably not the most healthy thing, but it is uh, it is a very easy step uh, to take. It's certainly more healthy than uh, than the original meat that you used to take. And you basically don't have to change a thing. You don't have you don't even need a cookbook or anything. The only thing that you need to do is when you're in the supermarket, just skip the meat section and walk to the uh, to the veggie se- section, which in most countries is growing every year now. I, I notice it in my village when i'm on the island in the netherlands that uh, in in just the past three years or so the section with alternative meats has i I would say at least more than doubled um and that makes the the threshold for making that change also for for instance the stuff that you can put on a sandwich um, basically anything any meat kind of products let's say like salami or something Mm -hmm is now changed by products that look the same, that taste the same, but that are more healthy and that also um, save animal suffering. So it's uh, the only thing is that uh, price-wise, they are priced the same as meat. And that is an absolute scandal, of course. That is because of all these subsidies in, uh, in meat. What about yeah. you, Ness? Yeah, I was just going to say, actually, you talk about mints and instead of using mints and have corn, for instance. And if you do do that, if the first time you do it, you kind of like you, you might not be quite sure or whatever. And some people obviously would use like what we would have over here, like bisto, gravy, granules. You know, traditionally, we would have like put that in with the bolognese and the as well as the tin tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. Well, instead, if you obviously you're not going to have you know, you're not going to be using those um, gravies as well. What you can do is use Marmite instead. And I hate Marmite. I hate Marmite so much with a passion. I can't eat it on a slice of bread. <laughs> I don't like the smell of it or anything. It's like, yeah, really don't like it. But get this, you put that in gravy. So you, you get your thing, you get your bolognese, you put your tomatoes in and all that kind of stuff. You want a big, generous dollop spoon of Marmite in in the, the gravy mix that you're doing. Um, and also, if you obviously if you drink red wine, then put a little bit of red, you know, splash of red wine in like you would normally do. Um, or if you don't have red wine, a little bit of balsamic vinegar. And then that actually kind of conjures that sort of um, echo is an echo of, of the of, of, of your bolognese kind of thing. But it gets it as close to it as possible. But it's Marmite. And obviously put your loads of um, herbs in, which is the, the key as well. So. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's my bit. My bit about mints. <laughs> so mince I, I thought that all British people mm. love marmite, and that the rest of the world didn't. But it's good to have found somebody in the UK that doesn't like marmite either. <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> that is it's a good great one for gravy. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm looking at the clock. We're 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 getting close to noon now, and uh, oh, I see a lot of nodding now from from Vanessa saying. Try like to keep this at, at, at one, uh, one hour, realizing that it's probably time for you to start cooking and I should start thinking about uh, maybe eating some lunch or something. Um, so I love the session. I think we should do more about food. If, if you guys agree, do some clapping. Clapping if you say, no, we've discussed enough about food and don't clap. Um, <laughs> I don't see anybody. Oh, I see some clapping. Okay, so we'll we'll okay. Thanks. So we'll go. Uh, uh, we'll do some more uh, food stuff uh, in the future as well. 
Um, I want to end with a few last remarks. First of all, um, with Alistair back on normal time uh, on Thursday, 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time, so 9 o'clock in the evening for most of you. What has also become a bit of a regular is that I do a kind of short monologue on the Sunday evenings, which I used to do at like 9 o'clock here, but that was so late for the people in Europe that I'm trying to move it at 5 o'clock. But Sometimes I'm doing all kinds of different things on the Sunday and not um, not always podcasting. But if, if I do it on Sundays, I'm trying to aim more and more for Sunday, 5 o'clock Eastern time, um, so which is uh, 11 o'clock in the evening for most uh, most Europeans and 10 o'clock in the evening for, uh, for those in the UK. Um, that for this week, there might be another podcast coming up, but I haven't decided on that one yet. Um, but I want to mention one or two other things. One is that uh, since I will soon be starting a period of close to four and a half months of travel, um, I have to change a few things to keep, to keep everything going. And one of the changes I want to make is that the podcast uh, that I do with Ness on Monday and the podcast that I do with Alistair on the Thursday that are normally in the show news the bigger picture that i want to move both of them to the planet which means that the planet podcast is all about the planet as the word says including uh, the more uh, the regular shows but also including the interviews with uh, with experts um there's actually an interesting one coming up not this week but next week um about an author of a book uh, on uh, traveling uh, with uh, trying to avoid airplane traveling and traveling in all kinds of other ways. But I'll announce that uh, later in another podcast when we get closer to that one. Um, but don't miss uh, that interview. Um, so that means that this one, which is uh, called um, uh, which is called News, uh, The Bigger Picture, I might change the title and for the next uh many months to come at least until late september uh i want to use that one for trying to experiment with new things that was the whole idea about the idea that i made a second podcast which i uh, a second show that i already did early in the early days when i just started on call in that i made this second channel for more experimenting and and doing other stuff and I think the ones uh, that I do with Vanessa and the ones with Alistair, that they've grown so mature now that they should move to uh, the Planet podcast. So then this one is open. I might give it a title, something like whatever, my travel stories or something, where I will tell about where in the world I'm hanging out and what I'm experiencing. So that might include really short podcasts, maybe just, you know, three minutes or five minutes updates of where I am and what I'm doing, which for many people will not be interesting, but for some people, they might find it interesting to see what I'm doing, what I'm experiencing. And I will search for ways to combine that uh, with other kinds of social media. And I, I'm, I'm, it, it will be very much a kind of learning on the job thing um but i i want to combine it with instagram with my uh newsletters uh, that i make on uh, on on uh, the planet on substack uh, the substack newsletter uh and also with twitter and all kinds of other media that i'm using so it will be a kind of different way of reporting uh on where i am what i'm seeing the kind of local histories i see the nature that i experience um how it is to be outside and walking spending more time in nature i will spend some time on my favorite island in the world that some of you know already so um those are uh yeah so 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 that will all be a bit of a new uh a new experience um i also uh, work this weekend on uh, starting um, uh, another platform. I, I started there already a long time ago, but I never really used it. But it is uh, called Buy Me a Coffee, um, which uh, it's it's just buymeacoffee.com and then uh, slash and then Alex Verbeek. Um, uh, the idea is that if people like uh, whatever I'm doing, the photographs I make, the stories that I write, the podcasts that I make, etc. If you want to support me, and especially when I'm traveling by backpack uh, and will therefore lose income that I would normally make, uh, but if you like to support me or maybe uh, uh, 
give me a cup of coffee somewhere, you can do so. And also on this Buy Me a Coffee site, which has evolved in, I started there a year ago, but I gave up after one day. And uh, if I see what the site looks now, the site becomes a bit of a social media as well. So I will probably use that also to post pictures, etc., to uh, members um, uh, that uh, that uh, that I will get uh, on that website. So that's a new experiment. I just started that, um, and I saw that a few of you found it already, and I think that's really exciting. So um, with that, um, I hope to see you on uh, on buying me a coffee. I hope some of you will buy a coffee for me. I hope to see you back on uh, the Planet uh, podcast. If you haven't subscribed to that show. Uh, please do. If you're already subscribed to this show, please stay here. It will change in name, but it will probably go up in frequency, but it will probably be shorter. Um, and uh, and I'll just uh, just let you know where I'm hanging out and what I'm doing. So uh, it's, it's going to be more experimental uh, on this show. Um, that's, I think, uh, all I wanted to say. I'm looking at the comments. If there's any last thing, much appreciated. I, I see an, uh, an, I see a comment on high on protein. That's it for today. Hope to see you all back on Thursday, perhaps even earlier. And uh, thank you very much, uh, Vanessa. Any last words? No, just thanks very much. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing everybody over on the Planet Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye-bye now. Bye.